0: Welcome to the Link to Prevention Podcast, hosted by the KSARC Prevention Team.
1: On today's episode, the Prevention Team will be discussing bystander intervention. We'll explain what this prevention strategy is, how we teach about it in schools, and ways we employ bystander intervention in our own day-to-day lives.
0: Hey everyone, welcome to the Link to Prevention Podcast, and today we're going to be talking about Bystanders and upstanders, and oh, Hannah. Um, okay, I think you got a little something right there in your teeth.
2: How embarrassing. Oh,
0: oh, you got it. That's it.
2: Thank you. Thank you so much. Wow, what a great transition into bystander intervention. So, what is bystander intervention? It is required as part of comprehensive sex education to be talking about in schools. So what is it? We predominantly talk about it in high schools. Uh, However, it does come up in
1: middle school classrooms, too, around, especially around bullying, Jessica. And when we bring the term bystander intervention up, oftentimes students raise their hands and say, I think I've heard that before. Is that how you stop someone from bullying? So then we go through and define what a bystander is, somebody who observes and sees something happen, right? And we break it down really simply as that. And then what is intervention? What is intervening? And that intervention is trying to step in and stop something from happening, disrupting something, calming down a situation, dissolving tension. Uh, So there are All sorts of different ways to do that, which we're going to get into. But bystander intervention is when somebody sees something happen and they do something
0: about it. So this brings me to a question that I have, because when I was growing up, I've heard of bystanders a lot. But there's a term out there that we use when we teach that was relatively new to me, and that's an upstander. What's an upstander? How's that different than a bystander?
2: Upstander is kind of the name that we give to people who step up and do something to intervene. It's kind of, it's an easy way for kids to remember bystanders, stand by, witness something, watch something. They don't do anything about it, but an upstander will intervene in some way to either stop the harm or to prevent future harm.
0: A lot of students may know bystander, this term bystander intervention when it comes to bullying or harassment in the schools. That's not always what we're talking about when we talk about being bystanders. I know sometimes it is, but how do you teach bystander intervention uh, beyond bullying? So when you are talking to high school students, how do you talk to them about bystander intervention and what sort of context do you talk about that with them?
1: I mean, so firstly, we make it really clear that there are many ways to be an upstander and this idea of zooming in and being a superhero to save somebody and help a situation is not the only way to be an upstander and it's not the only way to engage in bystander intervention. And we present to them a framework of four Ds. So... These four Ds are four different ways that you can be an upstander, again, if you see something happen. Of course, yes, like you said, Chris, you know, bullying is a time when somebody could step up and try to stop the harm of the per- for the person who's being bullied. Oftentimes, if kids will bring up an example of if there's a fight at school, if their friend is having a difficult time in a relationship, maybe they're not being treated really well by their partner. Uh, And that person's trying to figure out how to step into that situation and get them help or just talk to them. So there are all sorts of different ways that this bystander intervention is really just meant to help when you see something that looks like it could be causing somebody harm. Like the example you did at the start of this, right? Somebody has something in their teeth. Somebody dropped something when they're walking through the hallway. So we, we explain bystander intervention as something that we can do and we do all of the
2: time. So what are the four D's, Jessica? Thank you for asking. The four D's are direct, distract, delegate, and delay. So it is, again, an easy way for students to remember that it's not just one thing that you have to do within bystander intervention, because sometimes we don't have enough power to step in. Sometimes it's dangerous to step into certain situations. And I think a lot of times previously, that's kind of how this topic was taught. Right, is that you have to directly intervene, which is just one of the ways, one of the Ds that we have for bystander intervention. So it's a great way to show that that there are multiple ways, especially when you don't have as much power in that situation, that there's still something that can be done.
0: So this direct D, direct intervention, what does that what does that look like? I mean, I can imagine what that looks like, but Give me some examples of what that might look like.
2: Yeah, so that would be essentially you see a potential for harm or you see harm being caused and you directly step in to stop that harm from happening further or to keep it from happening altogether. So one of the examples that we hear a lot is stepping in when there's an argument or one of the good examples that we got from a high school student was that they were at a party and there was somebody who was intoxicated another girl that was getting pulled into a room by a, a guy and this student went up and just put her arm through the other girl's arm and took her away from that situation she didn't know her you don't have to she just saw the potential for harm and removed that girl from that situation so yeah that that's what direct is is quite literally directly stepping in and either preventing harm or stopping harm that's happening.
0: I mean, Jessica, you've said just in our conversation around the office how you have done this on the street.
2: I, after, it was briefly after I started working at KSARC, I was at, at a convention in Seattle. I was staying at a hotel in Seattle and I was walking back to that hotel and I saw a girl who appeared to be intoxicated, kind of stumbling around on the sidewalk, looking at her phone, essentially trying to figure out where she was, and so i I I knew because of my work, you know, the potential for harm there. There was nobody else around her. She didn't have any friends. So I just stopped and I went up to her and I asked her if she knew where she was, if she knew where she was going, and she lived, I think someplace a little bit outside of the city. So I helped her pull up Uber, get her home address that was in there scheduled an Uber, and I just kind of sat with her and waited until it showed up and then made sure that she got in and that she hopefully got home.
0: What a great example of a direct intervention.
2: Uh,
1: I also just wanted to add to direct that one thing we talk to students about is that sometimes direct intervention looks like confronting the person who's causing the harm. It's not always directly intervening to talk to the person who is being harmed, being bullied. Sometimes it's your friend or somebody that you know who is actually causing the harm And in that situation, you might have enough power to step in and talk to them and say, hey, that's not cool. Can you stop doing that? You're hurting this other person. So another important piece of direct is that sometimes it does look like confronting the person who is causing the harm.
0: And I think that is something that a lot of people can relate to. I know that I've had conversations with friends uh, about their behavior. And I was able to have very heartfelt conversations with them because I was close friends with them and had a personal power with them. I wasn't talking to or confronting the person they were hurting. I was talking to them about their own behavior. So I think that, that is a, that's a valuable distinction also, that it can be to either party. So that makes sense to me. And I think Hannah, to your point, this is sort of, I think what we think of a lot, you know, kind of the superhero stepping in, saving the day what about this one of delegate? Delegation sounds like, I don't know, like you're gonna go tell a teacher. I mean, is that is that right? What is, what's delegate?
1: Yeah, so delegate means that you may be in a situation, like Jessica said, where you don't feel like you have the power to directly intervene. That could be because you're younger than the people who are involved, you don't know them very well, so you're not comfortable because you're not sure what might happen. Uh, maybe you're just physically smaller than these people, and you need some some extra support. So delegate just means that you're bringing other people in to support you, intervening, and that could look like a teacher. It could definitely look like a teacher when we ask students who could be some people you would delegate to. They oftentimes say teachers, counselors, school staff, parents, you know, other adults in their lives, and then they think about it a little more and they say, well, what about all other friends? also. Or peers or other people in my class. We talk about power in middle schools. We talk about power in numbers and the fact that if you have more people with you, you're going to have more power. Even if it's asking a couple of your friends to go and intervene in a situation with you or to go talk to your friend with you so that you don't have to do it alone. That's what delegate can also look like.
0: So that's ties directly into power, this delegation. So it's finding people that can add more power to the intervention. So this could also look like popular people, right? I mean, cause power we know in school in particular can also come from social status. So getting somebody who may have more popularity could be a possibility. Somebody who is a captain of the football team, wrestling team. I mean, is that also kind of what we're thinking of when we think of this delegation?
1: Definitely, I would also say, If it's a situation with people you don't know, but you know who their friends are, you could go get their friends Mm -hmm. because the power of those friends is that they have a close relationship with this person and maybe whoever is being harmed or causing the harm will listen to them better than they'll listen to you. So that could also be part of it, trying to figure out who has a relationship with these people and who will they listen
2: to. I also just want to add um, for the delegate one that we do oftentimes provide a little bit of a caveat to that delegate when we talk about this in schools with students because we know that certain situations sometimes might be sensitive and maybe not everybody involved in those situations has all of the information and so we always just want to be mindful whenever we bring an outside person into any situation um, and one example that we give specifically in schools is that like I had a friend in, I had a few friends in high school that were gay, but they were not out to their family. They were out at school. Potentially they were out with their friends, but they were not out within their family. They had not told them. And so if I noticed that one of my friends was getting bullied because of who they are, because of how they identify And then I decided to go and tell their parents about that. Then now I have just outed them without their consent, without their knowledge. And that's not the best for them. So we do want to try to be mindful of who we're bringing into certain situations and how much information we're giving them, how much information they need to have in order to step in. Just something that we make sure that kids are are still thinking about.
0: So we have the delegate. We have the direct. Tell me about distract.
2: Distract is a is a good one. We always get a lot of great funny examples from the students when we ask them to come up with ways that they can distract from a situation. And distracting is just that. So you are pulling attention away from whatever it is that's happening. Because we know a lot of times, I mean, especially when we talk about bullying situations, like the person that's causing the harm is looking for validation. They're looking for attention. They're looking for people to give them that spotlight that they're looking for. And so if you pull that away from a situation, a lot of times it'll kind of diffuse whatever it is that's going on. So some of the student examples that we get is pulling a fire alarm, which not the best in every situation, but it, it would cause a distraction. We also heard somebody say like, oh, I can go up to that person and say, hey, somebody's calling you, like somebody's trying to get your attention. Or, hey, you need to go down to the office, like this teacher is looking for you. Again, just kind of diffusing whatever it is that's going on and pulling that person's attention away from whatever it is that they were doing.
1: Using cell phones, calling someone, FaceTiming them, t- sending them a bunch of texts if they're involved in a situation. There are also ways to use technology, which we know the students love to give us examples of how to use technology. Um, so they can come they come up with some pretty good ones for distracting people with their phones too.
2: Yeah, and Chris, you have a, a good distraction story from when you were younger.
0: Well, yeah, and as you describe this distraction dynamic—it really makes me think about this kid I went to high school with, and I'm not going to name him. But he was this—he uh, was a little short kid. Uh, he was hilarious. He was a class clown. He was friends with everybody. He ran with every group in the school. And one of the things that he would do—and I saw him do this on multiple occasions—but when there was a fight that was starting in the hallway if there was a larger kid picking on a smaller kid, my friend, he would step into the middle of the situation. So you think he was going to be like directly confronting somebody because he takes center stage. But what he would do is he'd bust out a joke or an impression. And I mean, I it's a, it's funny, but it used to be Gilbert Godfrey was the impression that he would do and he would bust out some stupid joke in Gilbert Godfrey's voice and everybody loved it. They started laughing. He pulled attention away from whatever was happening with the bully or with the person who was being bullied or harassed. Their focus was now on this kid and he would sort of put on a show and the person who was bullied or harassed wandered away. And the person who was bullying and harassing lost all their steam and lost their audience to this little jokester. And, you know, I always reflected on this and I think, oh, I wonder if he just did that because he had an audience. There was a group of kids standing in the hallway and he would just go tell jokes and like do his little stand up routine because there was an audience. But as I've gotten older, I believe that he did this with intention. I believe he knew what it felt like to be picked on, what it felt like to be belittled in front of other people, and that he was doing this for the benefit of others. I think he was doing it to distract. So let's finish up with delay. That makes no sense to me when I think about the intervention. So does this mean like a delayed intervention? Like after it happened? What does this, what does delay mean when it comes to upstander intervention?
1: Yeah, exactly. So the students often look confused as well when we bring up the word delay, because it doesn't seem like an intervention, right? Because it's not something we are encouraging them to do in the moment, at the time, within the situation. You can distract somebody while something's happening. You can directly talk to them while something's happening. You can go and get some help while something's happening. However, you can also check in with the person who is being harmed after. And we include that as a valid and useful form of intervention and being an upstander because it's a way to show that person that they're still supported, they were seen, especially for somebody who is maybe in a bullying situation or in a scary or harassing situation where they maybe feel really alone. So we make sure to encourage students and tell them that delay is just as helpful to people oftentimes who are being victimized because then they'll know that somebody saw them. And somebody is on their side so delay is really just circling back and saying hey i just wanted to check in i just wanted to see if you're okay i saw what that person said to you i saw what happened in the hallway and i wanted to let you know that it wasn't okay with me so there are all sorts of ways to delay and it's really just showing support to that person after something has happened
0: well it's one of those things that we have heard from students uh, i'm thinking of one kiddo in particular who talked about the guilt he felt for not doing anything when he saw it. And he didn't do anything because he was scared. But this intervention, this D, is something that they could do, right? This is something that they could do even if they didn't feel like they had the power, they felt afraid in that moment, they didn't feel like they could step in, delegate, direct, distract, but that they could still do this act of follow-up of delay of a delayed intervention, check in with the person that was hurt, make sure that they know they were seen, that they're supported. That's, I mean, that seems like a, an option for these, for some of these kids who feel like they've seen things, but didn't do anything to intervene in that moment.
2: And the nice thing about delay is that there's not really a time limit on it, so it's not like you have to be immediately after something's happened either. I think that there's been a lot of instances where, like, in the moment, we might have had enough power to step in, but like, we weren't there. Or you're hearing about something afterwards, or you're stepping into something after that thing has already happened. Whenever I mention delay, I talk a lot about legal advocacy and how beneficial it is for victims to hear that somebody believes them, somebody is there to support them, and that what happened to them wasn't okay. Sometimes those conversations happen years after something has happened. And it's still just as beneficial to that person to hear those things. Because like you said, Hannah, a lot of times people feel alone. And a lot of times people feel like if they haven't been told those things that like other people are okay with that happening. Or if, you know, they're in a moment and they see all these other kids laughing when this person is making fun of them, then that really feels like no one is on your side. So if there is at least one person that is like, you know, I didn't think that that was okay. It's like, yeah, you know what, it wasn't okay.
0: So, I mean, one of the things that I've heard from both of you is sort of this, the importance of noticing, of being present, seeing what is happening, and then deciding to do something. Is there any difference between being a bystander, an upstander in the real world, versus in online spaces. Do these four Ds or any of these four Ds apply to online conversation or interaction?
1: Yes, absolutely. There's plenty of, unfortunately, plenty of situations online where bystander intervention is extremely important, especially because we have heard many stories from students and we know that online harassment, online bullying, people Just saying really nasty things to each other in online chats on Discord on gaming sites is happening a lot. And those are perfect times and perfect situations for somebody else in the chat to say, don't say that. That's that's not okay. That's not nice. Or even for somebody to open a separate chat with the person who's being harassed or being bullied. And, you know, to Jessica's point saying, Hey, I'm not okay with that and you're not alone. And why don't we talk over here? I don't really want to talk to those people anymore. So not to say that it's easy, but it's absolutely doable online too, to be an upstander.
2: Definitely. And it is, I mean, it's really important to to notice things that are happening online and not just let them go. A lot of students can relate to being in these like big group chats where somebody's ganging up on somebody else and they're just like, well, it's not my problem. So I'm just not going to do anything about it. Not. And, and I think a lot of times too, people think that you can say and do things online that aren't going to have the same effect on a person as if they would ever say those things to them in real life, which they wouldn't. And like you say and do things in online spaces that you would never do in real life. And it's just as important to step in and make sure that that person knows that that's not okay That you're there for them or you know telling the person who's saying those things that they shouldn't be saying those things and that they're harmful and it's not okay to do that
0: what advice for parents do you have when they are talking to their children about being an upstander is there anything that you recommend them talk about how they talk about it any recommendations for parents around this topic
1: yeah so for parents uh one thing that actually the three of us did Going into this episode and just in talking about bystander intervention, which you heard some examples of on this episode, was just talking about ways we have been upstanders and what bystander intervention looks like for us day to day because it is as simple as telling somebody when they have something in their teeth. So if you really kind of sit down and think about it, I'm sure you can come up with some very real daily examples of bystander intervention that maybe doesn't even feel like that to you and our suggestion, our ask for parents is to share those with your kids and to talk about them together and talk about what that meant to that person when you told them. Uh, you let them know that they had dropped their paper and gave it back to them because most of the time, I bet you that that person lit up and said, thank you uh, and really appreciated that that you stepped in in that situation and, and offered them a little bit of help. So yeah, share those stories with your kids, talk about what that means and ways that that maybe they're intervening and they're being upstanders as well.
0: I think that's a great suggestion. It really comes down to looking out for the rest of us, for the others in our community.
2: Until next time, stay curious, be kind, and take care. To find out more about the services offered and to stay up to date on everything that prevention is doing, Check us out online at ksark.org. That's K-C-S-A-R-C dot org. This podcast was funded in part by a grant awarded by the Department of Justice. Points of view in this podcast are those of the author and do not necessarily represent the official position or policies of the Department of Justice. Grants funded are administered by the Office of Firearm Safety and Violence Prevention under the Public Safety Unit at the Washington State Department of Commerce.